That's great. That's great. Let's share a word of prayer. I'd like you to speak to your God. Speak to God and tell him that, Lord, speak to me. You may have read these passages. You may have, you may have preached it. You may have heard it preached. But you want God to speak to you differently. You want to hear differently. You want to hear in a way that enables action. You want to hear in a way that gives a rhema to you. There is God's voice behind every scripture. And you, you want to hear the voice of God. The very voice of God behind the scriptures. You know, sometimes you can read the scriptures and you, you hear God speaking to you. That's the encounter I desire for us this morning. Not man, a certain young man you have been acquainted with or have known for some past few days. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give glory and honor to you. We submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit and his leadership and his authority in our midst. Speak to us. Enable action by your word and cause us to sustain faithfulness therein. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're speaking to us this morning on excelling in the grace of giving, part one. Excelling in the grace of giving. We have read the scripture already, so I will not go through that again. In this quarter, our focus is proclaiming Christ Jesus. And Zechariah chapter 1 verse 17 presents a very interesting view on this proclamation of the gospel. It says that, and proclaim, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, My cities shall again spread out through prosperity. The Lord will again comfort Zion and will again choose Jerusalem. God desires that his cities, his towns, his work, his kingdom spread through the prosperity of his people. Hallelujah. When we are prosperous, God's work is prosperous. God's church is prosperous and it continues to spread. Praise the Lord. And not this, which I may not get enough time to deal with today, but maybe in the second part of this uh, presentation, I will do my best to talk about it. The benefits of giving accrues more to the giver than it does to the receiver. Amen? The benefits of giving accrues more to the giver than it does to the receiver. So anytime you are receiving, know that the one who is giving is benefiting more. Amen? And anytime you are giving, 
You might be meeting a need of a person, a group, an individual, or a church. But the benefits from that giving accrues more to you than to whomever you are giving to. Praise the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 8, which is our focus, we're looking at verse 1 to verse 7. Paul uses the good example of the Macedonian churches. Not only one church. Macedonian churches, you see that in verse 1. Macedonian churches, and these are Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, and others, to exhort the Corinthian church. And for that matter, us as believers, on the issue of effective giving. A good example of the Macedonian church and we need to learn from that. So I'll share with us a few things. I think three or four things as the Lord will grant us grace within the time that we are functioning. The first thing I would like to speak about is that grace empowers giving. We are talking about excelling in the grace of giving. But it's important for us to, un- us to understand what this grace does for us to accordingly desire to excel in it. The grace that we are speaking about empowers giving. Verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The scripture says that moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Not one church. A number of them. And he says that I want to make known to you, or we want to share with you, want to make known to you, that these churches had a certain grace from God bestowed upon them. For the things that will ensue in verse 2, 3, 4, that we see the Macedonian church being able to give in a certain way that we want to give as believers today, all this giving that the Macedonian church did is premised upon verse 1. That is the grace of God that was bestowed upon them. Without which any of the things that have been mentioned ahead couldn't have happened. So Paul was careful in in starting this discourse in sharing with the Corinthian church and for us, for that matter, that we need first of all to know the grace that was upon this Macedonian church or churches. It is this grace that empowered their giving. Hallelujah. Without power, nothing works. Nothing works. The physicists tell us power is what? The ability to work. So, and without power, nothing works. And church, you and I, as God's children, we need this empowerment by the grace of God so that we can live and obey the scriptures, including giving. Many times people want to give. Yes, I know you want to give generously. You want to give generously. There's the desire to give generously. But why are we unable to do it most of the time? Is it because we do not have? 
these people did not have. They were in extreme poverty. Yet, they gave. So, not having is not good enough an excuse not to be generous. So, what really is accounting for our ability or our inability to give generously? The fear we entertain, the doubts that arise in our hearts, the uncertainties regarding tomorrow. If I part with this, what shall happen to me tomorrow? Is because we lack the empowerment to back our desire to give. And this empowerment, work with me, is not the money you have or the money you don't have. I am speaking about the grace that was upon the Macedonian church. Many of us don't have that level of grace. And we need to be empowered by such grace to be able to give generously as they did. Paul is saying that I would like you to know this grace. Know this grace. You know many things. In fact, when you read verse 7, he talks about how they, are, they excel in faith. They excel in a number of things, including knowledge. He mentioned knowledge. They excel in knowledge as well. Yet, they did not know this grace. So I don't know how old you have been in the faith and how spiritual you are and how mighty a believer you are and how long you have been praying and loving God. This morning, I'd like us to come to this table of God where we have come to grasp this grace that was upon the Macedonians. Hallelujah. To take hold of this grace that was upon the Macedonians because it is what gives us the power, the power backing that even in abject poverty, need, will be willing to do what is right. Hallelujah. So Paul's prayer and mine too is that this lack of grace will be met in our church and in the church of God. Remember Paul said that he became an apostle and he excelled more than all of them. Why? Because of grace. Amen? So it takes grace to empower us. Without this empowerment, liberality cannot be, you can't generate liberality. You cannot do it. You do, you get shot of it at a point. You get frustrated at a point. You begin to murmur and grumble at a point. But you see, when this grace is upon you, it excludes a lot of things. And without it, giving will continue to be a burden. Hello, church. Are you with me? Giving for many of us, anytime we talk about it, anytime we mention it, especially kingdom advancement giving, giving that is aimed to advance the kingdom. Anytime we, 
Some of us, we think, we feel it's burdensome. We have to do calculations. Some of us who don't even, haven't been to school to learn mathematics, become experts in calculus. We differentiate and integrate. Establish differential equations. In order to be able to so see that there's a difference here, there's a difference here. Oh. May God have mercy upon his church. And have mercy upon all of us. So that giving will not be a burden. It will not be a burden. It should be a delight. A delight. So if you are operating under this grace of the Macedonians, giving becomes a delight today, a delight tomorrow, a delight forever. It becomes delightful to give. During the course of the week, I had a conversation with one very senior minister. And he spoke about a mentor of his who is going to be with the Lord. And who does a very strange type of tithing or giving his tithes. And it just hit me just like that. He said the man told him that payment of his tithe as a servant of God, for all the things God has done for him, he does not understand how he can take 90% of whatever God blesses him with and give God just 10%. He thinks it is, it is, it is not acceptable to him considering how that God has blessed him how much grace God has bestowed upon him. How much mercy God has shown him. He thinks that rather, God should take the 90% and he will make do with the 10. And indeed, he lived it. And this is a 70, almost 80 year old senior minister I'm talking about. So his mentor who taught him in the seminary, you can imagine his age. And this is how he lived his life and was telling his mentee that this is what I, I want to do in response to God's grace to me. Hallelujah, church. That is why I am praying to God that this grace that was upon the Macedonians will come to us in our church. Hallelujah. Because it helps cure doubts, fear, whatever you want to call it, tight-fistedness, poverty mentality, all those things will be dealt with, you see. And when you enter into that space, God begins to take care of you. God, God takes delight to become responsible for those who care about things that concern his kingdom. Can I repeat that to you? God takes delight. God is delighted to take the responsibility of those who care about things that concern 
his kingdom. Hallelujah. So make the things that concern God's kingdom your delight so much. Hosea says in chapter 4, verse 6, Hosea 4 says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. We need, that's why Paul says, I need you to know this. I know you know so many things. I know you know so many things. But know this. And that is why I was praying that whilst we are listening to God's voice or God's word, the sermon today, we will hear God's voice. Because David said that once the Lord has spoken, but twice have I heard. So you, God can speak once, but you can hear and hear again. Hallelujah, church. So that we will not live in ignorance and perish. But we have the appropriate knowledge in this regard. A grace and powers given. This is the grace you and I must desire to excel in. Hallelujah. Number two, grace empowers willingness. It is this same grace that in spite of their great affliction or trial of affliction, as we see in verse 2 and 3, in spite of it, in spite of their deep poverty, not just poverty, deep. In spite of that, verse 3 says that, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Your willingness or my willingness is subject to this grace. No coercion, no force, no pressure, no gimmicks, nothing. The people were willing because they have a certain grace. They have understood that grace. And in spite of the limited resources they have, they welled up into abundance in liberality because of that grace. Hallelujah. This is only possible by God's grace. So I say, in concluding my point on grace empowering willingness, I say, giving willingly flows from a heart transformed by grace, not from a sense of duty. Giving willingly is not just because you have a sense of duty. A sense of duty may fail. When your heart is not transformed by grace, you will feel that you have other reasons why you should not give willingly. But when you, you are operating from a heart that is transformed by grace, even Abraham, who did not experience the grace we have, 
had his own type of grace at the time and was willing to sacrifice Isaac. Hallelujah. And all these men of old in the scriptures, you see, sometimes when you think about how Abraham and Isaac and Jacob loved God and they did the things they did, and then you come to the New Testament and you come across a scripture in Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus makes a statement that of all those who were born of men, John the Baptist is greater than all of them. But then the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. What he's saying is that John the Baptist is greater than all those who were born of men, including all the patriarchs and all the great people we know about. In the Old Testament, he is greater than all of them. Yet, under grace in the kingdom of God, the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. Tells us that there's huge responsibility on us to step up. If our father Abraham did certain things, and Jacob did certain things, and Isaac did certain things, and all these men did certain things, and God was pleased with them, we have a higher responsibility towards God. That is why I, for a very long time, have moved away from putting a calculator on my salary to calculate 10%. I don't do it. And I encourage you not to do it. Giving to God today, including tithing, is not to be seen as a legalistic exercise. It should be seen as our response to the bountiful grace God has bestowed upon us to transform us through his mercy into his kingdom of light, that much grace that shows us so much love on a daily basis, what is your response? Your response to that grace should be more than a legalistic 10%. Is somebody hearing me? That is why it is okay to feel bad that for some time now, God has been blessing you, but you are not paying your tithe or giving your... It's okay to feel bad, but better it is to take steps to do much more than what would have been done by men and women born before grace. Hallelujah, church. So, willing giving flows from a heart that is transformed by grace, not from a sense of duty. I don't know what motivates you to give willingly. Is it because you feel that you have to do it as a sense of duty? You have to do it in obedience to the pastor, in obedience to the leaders? Is that why you are doing it? Then you are missing it. God grants us grace. In the next session of this delivery, I will speak a little about where the there, there, where there is no willingness, what the, the outcome is. But just understand that grace empowers willingness and giving willingly flows from a heart transformed by grace, not from a sense of duty.
let your giving, your willingness be because your heart has benefited from grace. Amen. Grace and power and sacrifice, my third point. Grace and power and sacrifice. These men or these churches, we are told again, in all the tribulations they go through, they gave according to their ability. Which is okay. I remember a certain young man, a story is told of a young man who read some difficult courses in the university and obtained the first class. And then he was interested in marrying a young lady. So he went to the young lady's house. The young lady also went to the university. I think she also got the first class. So she went to the house to see the in-laws to be. So in the process of the introduction, uh, this young man would not stay humble. Or starting how uh, he got first class honors, he graduated with so so and so and so and so from the university of so so and so and so, and he had first class. He had first class. Then the lady's mother said, uh, "Yeah, well, first class, yeah, yeah." I'll translate back to in English. You first class, yeah, but your fear had yeah, and yeah, rare. Yes, you had your To wit, your first class is good. It's great, good achievement. But in our family, in this house, it is not a rare occurrence. It's the norm. It's the norm. In fact, incidentally, we don't have boys. They are all girls. And all of them, first class. So this one that you want to... <laughs> Make noise about. Uh, we advise you to just hold it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ability to give according to your own ability, what you have, is not rare. <laughs> Amen. It's not rare. Amen. Many people do it. But that is not sacrifice. What is sacrifice is the ability. To give beyond your ability. And that only happens when someone is enabled by grace. To give beyond. Paul says that they were able to give beyond their ability. He said they gave according to your ability. Okay, as if to say you want to doubt. They said, yes! Even beyond your ability. Even beyond your ability. And this is something he's saying, I can testify, I bear witness beyond the ability. That is sacrifice. And again, this is only possible by the grace of God. That is why we need to excel in the grace of giving. That grace, we need to crave for it and excel in it. Let us also first know or assess this grace to enable us sacrifice by giving beyond our ability. We need to know it. We need to access it. 
Amen. Then we can give beyond our ability. How do we access this grace? Assessing this empowerment. Paul shows us how the, 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 the people did it. In verse 5. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. Then to us by the will of God. So, they assessed this grace by first giving themselves to God. They got their hearts circumcised. Their hearts transformed. They gave themselves wholly to God. Willingness to give and to do so beyond your ability will only come when you have given yourself to God. Give your, they did that first. They gave themselves first to God and then to the apostles. Hallelujah. So surrender your life, your whole being to God. Everything about you to God. I was sharing last, uh, the other day at uh, one of the funeral services about a man who was supposed to have given his whole house to God and his whole life to God. And he was doing it grudgingly. He didn't want to do it because he said, God, okay, um, okay, let me show you, tell you the story. Some of you were not here, so you benefit from it. What's the story? There was this young man who was very rich. He had a big house, lived in a plus community. Then he got a call that Satan said he was coming to visit him. So he went to meet with Jesus and said, Jesus, Satan wants to come and visit me. So I want you to come and stay in my house so that when he comes, you can deal with him for me. So Jesus came to the house. Then he said, Jesus, you're welcome. Then he gave, took Jesus to the bedroom and gave him a nice place to sit in the bedroom. Nice bed, everything beautiful. Then night came. They went to sleep. The Satan came, knocked the door at the gate. The man went. By the time he opened the door, Satan jumped on him and beat him mercilessly. They broke. He went to Jesus. I don't know what you are doing in this house. You are in the house with me. Living in this plush bedroom. All the resources are there. So why, why couldn't you deal with Satan? Jesus said, but you gave me only the bedroom. You said I should stay in the bedroom. So I, I stayed in the bedroom. So, okay, okay, okay. Now I understand. Jesus, you can come out. Uh, the, the hall, the kitchen, everywhere is for you. You can take everywhere. Uh, the outside is not, I mean, let me, I, I, think, I don't think the outside is part of it. So you just take the, the inside the room. So Jesus was in the room. The night Satan came again. Knocked the door. The man went to the gate. The main gate opened it. Ah, the beating continued. He was beating again mercilessly. Then he went to Jesus and said, it has happened again. It has happened again. With all your power and everything in my house, you cannot help me. Then Jesus said, I was here. But Satan didn't come here. I was here. He said, okay, okay, okay. Now I understand. Jesus, I understand. Now you can have the whole house. In fact, have the building, the yard, the wall, the, the, the street in front of my house. Have everything. Just have everything. So Jesus said, okay. Then Jesus told him that now in the night, you go and sleep in the bedroom. 
and I, have, I am in charge. Satan came, knocked the door, and the voice that answered was Jesus. And you can imagine what happened to Satan. He was massacred. In the morning, the gentleman got up, went to the around, and they went around, went outside, saw Satan lying there, totally beaten, and then he started, he, he started flexing his muscles. Flexing his muscles. Because he surrendered everything to God. Amen. Which part of your life is still under your control? Jesus, you can have my everything, but not my money. I, I, I heard of a man who was going for baptism, and he had money in his pocket. And he took the money from the pocket so that the money would not get wet as he was being baptized the Baptist way. So he took the money, and the man of God held his hand, put it on the chest. He said, no, this one has money. So okay, the man of God had to manage it. Then as they put him in the water, the hand was like this. <laughs> I can go inside this water and come out, but the money dear. <laughs> baptize me, but don't baptize my money. <laughs> Hallelujah, church. Surrender everything to God. Every aspect of your life. Amen? Including our wallets, our monies, our businesses, everything. Do you know that there are people in church, I'm not talking about maybe Calvary Baptist, there may be people in our church, but no people in church, body of Christ today, that pay tight on their businesses they do. At the end of the year, they declare profit and they pay tight on their businesses. Aside of the personal tithes. So I decided to just do some reading around it. And I, I, I got to, I realized that Abraham in his war against the kings went with a group of people who can consider as his enterprise. His business, his army. And when they had the victory, he came and pay tight to Melchizedek. Out of that. So it, there's nothing wrong with that. People do it and they are blessed. Hallelujah. Surrender everything to God. Be willing to do it and give everything to God's sacrifice. When you do that, God takes over your affairs. But first of all, before you even get into all those places, you must surrender your life to Jesus. Be born again. Be born again. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Accept that you are a sinner and that Christ came and died for you on the cross to forgive you your sins. That is the first step. Then after that, every other area of your life, turn it to him. and Let him have control. Don't be like that young man who say, okay, you can have my whole and have my, my, my family. No, as for my wife, don't have my wife. Don't have my children. Uh, no, I want to take control of my, my own affairs because, you see, you have given me brains. 
you have given me brains. And because I have brains, I can analyze things by myself. You can have the brains and analyze things by yourself. And still, nothing works. Hallelujah. Remember Peter, he said, we have worked all night. We have worked all night. Yet we got nothing. Then Jesus said, cast it your net here, just here. Said, huh? I've been a fisherman all these years. Nobody catches fish kind of like in the sand. No, it doesn't happen like that. You need to go into the deep. Said, no, you cast it here. He said, okay, at your word, I'll do that. And they did that. Jesus did that to the disciples twice before his death and after his resurrection. He did it to them twice. Hallelujah. Cast your net just here. So sometimes some idea will just come from God into you for some business that would appear as if it is so far-fetched, it is so trivial and may not yield anything, but that will be the breakthrough for the success you have been looking for. Hallelujah. Surrender completely to him. Every aspect of your life and you will be a blessing. The last thing I'll share with us is that the scriptures enjoins us to excel in this grace. Says Titus started the work of this grace with you, Corinthians. And I'm sending him and urging him to complete this work of grace he started in you. But as you are bound in everything, in faith, men and women of great faith in Corinthians, in Corinth, they speak maturely in Corinth. They demonstrate knowledge in Corinth. Not only that, but they are diligent. Paul said, in all diligence. That's you that they are very meticulous in the things they look at. Then, they are also excelling or they also abound in their love for us. Please show us verse 7. Their love for the ministers of the gospel. They listen to them. They obey them. They look up to them. They support them. He says that, oh, I need a real verse, not from this one. So that you can, can build, everybody can see it clearly. But as you are bound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, they love the men of God. Where is your love for God's servants? How much of time do you spend to pray for them? Even when you know that there's some challenge with them or there's something perhaps you don't understand about them or even know or even appreciate, but you spend time to pray and show them love. These people in Corinth, they are bound in the love for the men of God. Then he says that, well, all this is good. But in addition to this, see to it. <laughs> I like that. See to it. That means that 
Leave no stone unturned. You are, you are born in so many things. This one, lacking it means that something will go wrong. See to it that you also abound or excel in this grace also. This grace. This grace. We are not talking about the generality of grace. Amen? The abundant grace that we all know, general. This is talking about this specific grace that was upon the Macedonians. To do this kind of giving in times of peril, let this grace also be upon us. So, regardless of the quantum of what you have, still excel in this grace. And it will require us maturing on a daily basis. Avoiding grumbling when we even have opportunity to grumble when it comes to giving. As for opportunity, the devil can always give you. But when you are maturing in this grace and you are excelling in this grace, you don't give space for grumbling. Amen? You do it willingly. You don't give space for murmuring. For those who murmured, the earth expanded and they entered. Far be it from us in Jesus' name. When we are excelling, we are maturing on a daily basis and we are not giving grudgingly. Excel in this grace. You and I must ensure that we are willing to excel in this grace sacrificially. In conclusion, church, this grace is what can empower us to give willingly and sacrificially. We can only assess it if we give ourselves wholly to him. First of all, friend, if you are not born again, you need to surrender your life to Jesus. And accept him as your Lord and Savior. And on a daily basis, continue to excel by maturing from one moment to the other in the area of giving. Remember, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The blessings of giving accrue more to the giver than it does to the receiver. The blessings of giving accrue more to the giver than it does to the receiver. God bless you, church.